Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Well, good morning. morning. You got your Bibles? Open them. Put your finger down. At some point, we'll get to it. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to go to 1 John. You might want to go to Matthew. We'll hit both of those that I think might not be in the notes. We're going to kind of pick up on last week's message. If you hadn't listened to it, listen to it online. Your flesh is? I like that. It's dead, dead, dead. And we're going to start talking about uh, being a carrier of the kingdom, sealed by the Holy Spirit. We... um, uh, probably two years ago, did a little series on this, and then Ron Hamilton came in and preached that whole series one Sunday morning, backed it up, knocked it down. But we're just going to kind of, uh, not only are we going to get into being kingdom carriers, but we're also going uh, to dig there and stay there for quite some time. So this morning, what I wanted to do is just kind of hit, hit the basics, give us a foundation to begin to move on or to, to walk in. How many of you guys have ever played spades? Would you raise your hand? All right, we got spade players in the house. How many have not played spades? Raise their hand. Raise your hand. Not so many. We're going to have a tournament out here. Uh, the entry fee is $25, and uh, we're going to begin gambling immediately right after church <laughs> for you guys to raise your hand second. You don't know the rules, you don't know how to play, and therefore, you're easy prey, (laughs) right? In spades, you know, it's important that you know how to play the game. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, My wife and I played in a a little church tournament one time, and uh, we went, and they had a little bit different rules. If you play spades, there's rules of the house. If you're going to start playing spades, you better find out what the rules of the house are, or you mess up really quickly. And so, um, generally, if you know anything about spades, you play your lowest club, or you can play the two of clubs, and then anybody can. So, anyhow, the point of the matter is we lost the game on the first hand right off the bat. Now, let me just tell you, spades can be very detrimental to a marriage. (laughs) At that point, I was in trouble. It took me six months to get out of the doghouse after what I said about that play in spades. And so it's very important that you know the rules. You guys are tracking with me? All right. So if we're going to really excel in the game of life, we really got to understand what the expectations are, what the rules are. And there's some basic fundamental rules in Christianity that I think get left out. Because there's a lot of religious things that can happen around church. One of them would be tithing offering. One of them is can be just coming to the church. Tithing offering in this. You can give because you think you're going to get something back, and that makes giving religious. Every religion on the planet comes to a God of some, some sort based on what they can get from that God. Does that make sense? 
There are over a thousand Hindu gods in that religion, and all of them have this specific thing that they're giving to the participant of that religion. And so they, they come to that God expecting that something from that God. And that becomes religious. When we come to God because He asks us to, and we bring something to Him out of obedience and love, that's born out of love and not religion. And so it's, we can even come to church and it become a religious act and we think we're okay with God because we come to church every week. Do you know people, or maybe you're one, that attends church and you think that's enough for you as far as your relationship with God? That's your identity in Christ. Maybe you know people who, who the only... The only evidence that they're a Christian is they're identifying with a church family. If you ask them, are you a Christian? They say, yes, I go to such and such a church. And so there's this, there's this identity to that church or that thing. And then it becomes, it can become, not always, but it can become a religious thing. And what God is saying about the son or daughter of God, those who are actually in the kingdom, is that there's this thing that happens, is that, that you're born again. And you've seen the, the political polls that talk about being born again. You know, born again believers believe this. Well, actually, that should, and, and it's better read, those that are alive to God. They, they are, their flesh is... Let's do it better than that. First service was way better. Flesh is dead, dead, dead. There we go. So you are dead and you have become alive to God. You're alive to Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so there's this, there's this coming alive to God. And so you have to be born again. It's the Spirit of God living within us that validates that statement. In other words... Scripture tells us all over the place that your motivation will now be to please God by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you'll no longer be motivated by your own desires or worldly desires, but you'll be motivated by the Spirit of God, which is teaching you the things of God. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, wait, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit on you, and when it happens, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on you, it's going to teach you everything I said. It's going to show you the things of the kingdom, the nature, the character of God. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is to do, is to reveal the truth about the kingdom. You tracking with me? Y'all with me? Or am I lost you already? Y'all with me? All right, so it's important that the Spirit of God be in us. That is what makes you born again. It's that you have come alive to the Spirit so that you can understand the truth, so that you can live in the truth. And those that are born again are motivated by that thing. In other words, church doesn't cut it. Raising your hand when you were eight doesn't cut it. Coming up front doesn't cut it as far as you getting into the kingdom. It is a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and there will be evidence that you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit based on the intents of your heart because they're motivated by the Spirit and the kingdom of heaven. That's Scripture. That's not religion. 
that have anything to do with what church you're involved in or where you're a member of church has everything to do with whether you're alive to the Spirit of God and whether you're motivated by your love for the things of God. And so the first thing that we've got to know as we begin to walk in the kingdom is that our flesh is dead, dead, dead. We have come alive to God. We have uh, been baptized or at least the initial indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that is the mark that God puts on us so that when we die or He comes back, we will be identified as the children of God. Did y'all hear that? So we are identified as a child of God because the Spirit of God lives in us. In other words, if you die today when you leave the, the parking lot or if Jesus comes back while we're having this service, we'll see who really will dance and jump and all that kind of things. You know, that's, this is really just rapture practice. You know, when we get there and do stuff like that. That's all that really is, you know that's what I look at it as because I can't dance, you know. So anyway, <laughs> so, so when, when we meet Jesus, what is going to identify us as sons and daughters is whether the Holy Spirit indwells you. And that is your motivation. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus is talking and he says, Mostly surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus said that the rules to the game, number one is, you've got to be born of the Spirit. And when you're born of the Spirit, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that identifies you as a son and daughter of God. Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. It is a deposit to, uh, so he'll be able to identify who are his. In, verse, uh, in chapter 5, verse 5 in 2 Corinthians, he says this, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, again, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. He says it again. In Ephesians, as he writes to the church in Ephesians, Paul says this in Ephesians 1.13, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also... Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. You are the trophy of God. You're the praise of His glory. You're going to be redeemed. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit if you are healed, if you are His, if you've been saved. If you've been saved from yourself and from death and from the power of sin, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so you need to ask yourself, you can see a lot of things in this. Why should you work out your salvation with fear and trembling? 
like the Bible says, because you need to make sure that you're saved. You need to make sure that you've done the things that you need to do to make sure that you're a son or daughter of God. Well, how do you know that? What's your motivation? What are you motivated by? Have you come in contact with the Spirit of God? Have you had a, 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 an experience or, or a, a, an encounter with God to the point where you surrendered your life and you said, it's no longer I who live, but I want to live for you. I want to live for your kingdom. And the Spirit of God entered you, and now you know that that encounter is now driving you to obedience. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to, uh, open to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 3. Look at what this says. Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. Who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk just as Jesus walked. There's this passion. There's this desire for you to please the Lord. And it's driven by the Spirit of God. Now, here's what I want you to see before we go any further into the rules of this game called life. John the Baptist says to Jesus, if you remember the story, I must decrease, he must increase. Do you remember that story? I must decrease, he must increase. He is not talking about himself. He is talking about the law and the things that he is, the transition that he is making. And he's making this transition into the Christ. Jesus is now coming. There's a new age coming, and it's the age of the kingdom. And he says, this age is going to stop, and this age needs to increase. There needs to be an increase that's coming, and it's the increase of the kingdom of heaven. There is this, there is this sense of urgency that John begins to establish with Jesus that says something's coming next. And so the first thing we have to do is recognize that we become a child of God, that we receive that, but we also have to understand that Jesus has a plan. And so that leads us to number two. The second thing that we need to know is that, uh, that Jesus came to earth for purpose. Now, when we think of why Jesus came to earth and what purpose Jesus came to earth, there's a lot of answers that come to our mind. First of all, the answer comes, well, he came to die on the cross. He came to pay for our sin. He came to bridge the gap between man and God. Because we'd sinned, he wanted us to bridge that gap, right? Those are all really good answers, but they're just not the answer that Jesus said. Jesus said that his purpose on earth was to preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And when you see Isaiah chapter 61, 
And all the things that are mentioned there, when you see he came to set the captives free, he came to heal the brokenhearted, he came to bring those that are oppressed and depressed, I came to bring them out of that. I came to bring healing and health, the kingdom of heaven. When he sent his disciples out, he said, I want you to go and I want you to preach that the kingdom of God is upon you. And when you do, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. There are things that come with the kingdom that Jesus brought. And he expects the church to begin to move in, out in that as he sends us out. Now, so if we have to know that we're saved, we also have to know what our mission is, and that is to advance the kingdom because that was Jesus' mission. Let's look in Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Now, Jesus is with a big crowd of people. He's with a multitude of people, and they're really digging this teaching that Jesus has given. I mean, they're having a great time. They're enjoying the Word. He's preaching it with authority. You know, they're saying about Him, man, He's preaching like nobody else. He, he's got authority when He preaches. Why don't you just stay here and keep preaching to us? And Jesus says this, I, I can't do it. I've got to preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus establishes that his purpose on earth is to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, uh, it says about Jesus that from the day that he was baptized and had the encounter with Satan in the wilderness and he came out of the wilderness, it said that he began to preach from that day forward, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is near. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15 says this, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. And that's so strong. The good news of the kingdom of God. Now for so many years, the church has this idea that the kingdom of God is getting your ticket punched and somehow making it through till death so you won't go to hell, and then life was going to get good. But that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what he calls the church to be and do. He calls the church to be advancers of the kingdom of heaven, to go and preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says the time, this time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And so we've got to understand that Jesus came to preach the kingdom. And so for everybody who has the Spirit of God in them and has the love of God in them, then they are saved. If they're going about the Father's business, if they're uh, about what Jesus is about. Now, Jesus says that he was sent so that he could advance the kingdom, so that he could preach the kingdom of God, and he sent us out. So those are the two things. Now, as a believer, there has been a myth or just this idea that we're good. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm saved, praise God, and I'm, I'm thankful that I'm saved. I'm, I'm thankful that I'm not going to spend eternity in hell. I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> but that ain't it. That's just not it. 
will a believer, the third thing that you've got to know about the game of life is that the answer to this question, will a believer be judged? Will a believer be judged? Because oftentimes we think we miss the judgment because we're sons and daughters of God. But the scripture is clear that there are three judgments. The first judgment is the white throne judgment. is found in Revelations chapter 20. And it teaches this, that you are going to be judged on whether you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're going to be judged on whether the Spirit of God lives within you. You're going to have to ask the question, were you born again? Were you brought alive in the Spirit? That's the first judgment. That's, that's what gets you in. Now, here's the deal. If, if you read Revelations chapter 20, verse 12, this is what it says. Your whole life is put in the book of life, the good and the bad stuff, so that it's going to be read on that day, that judgment day, that great white throne judgment day. It's going to open it up, and it's going to be the good and the bad and the ugly. Now, in our minds, oftentimes we have this vision that when we get judged, it's going to be like this video screen like we just saw just a minute ago in a modern-day church where we're playing videos, and your whole life, your, your nasty thoughts and everything you've ever done that you're ashamed of is going to play on this video screen, and everybody's going to get to see it. What a, what a horrible thought. <laughs> Not my stuff, your stuff. <laughs> That's not the way it's going to be. Because the first question is, what do you do with my son? And if, and if the Spirit of God is found evident in your life, then your sin is no longer counted against you. It's put on him. It's, it's never remembered again. It's cast into the sea. And so that stuff ain't there. Isn't that good? But, you, but it's going to differentiate between those who are saved and those who aren't. And then in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, it, gives, it tells you, it talks about another judgment, and that is the judgment of the church. And there's a judgment of the church that's going on that what's left, if all your bad stuff is gone, what's left? What's left? Good stuff, right? Well, what is good stuff? You remember uh, some of the parables where it talks about, you know, watch out what you gather on this earth. You know, watch out where your heart is and what you're gathering up because the hay wood and the stubble is going to burn up. And that's the only thing that's going to really make it through the fire is those, those, those jewels. What are those jewels? Those jewels are things of the kingdom. Those jewels are kingdom things. How many were here with Don Potter when he came? How, how many? So a lot of you weren't here with Don Potter, or I'm not getting any participation. If you were here with Don Potter, help me. All right, so we got about half that were here. He brought this thing up in, in Revelation chapter 20, where he talks about all this stuff that's written down in the book of life. And he brought this thought to us because of that rich, written in Peter and that written in Revelation. Think about this for a minute. Jesus says to you and me, in the Old Testament, through his word, that 
God knew you in your mother's womb. And he says about you that I know my plans for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope and a purpose. So just think for a moment with me, just the possibility. I don't know this. This is not a doctrine. This is not a theology. It is a possibility that that God in his foreknowledge, in his sovereignty, had a plan for your life. And everything that he purposed you to do, and he wrote it down in the book of life. And then when you report, you're going to report what you do with the son. You're going to say, I got, I got the spirit. I'm sealed. I'm good. And then you're going to have a comparison of what you accomplished and what he purposed. And you're going to be judged on that. You say, no, that can't be. Yes, that can be. You ready? Let's look at Matthew chapter 25. You got it? For the kingdom of heaven is like this. Say that with me. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A man traveling to a far country called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one to each according to his own ability. Say that with me. To each according to his own ability. That means that you're not met. You, you should never, ever compare. Comparison is a waste of time. Now, what you should be worried about is whether you're being the best you that you can be. That's what you really should, because he gave some five, he gave some two, he gave another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he goes on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he went, he, he who had received two gained two more also, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he, had, he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant which is what we want to hear, right? So you have been given whatever the Lord's destiny for you is here on this earth to accomplish kingdom work. You have been given a measure of faith, a measure of spiritual gifts, a measure of resources, a measure of intelligence. There's all kinds of measures you've been given. And our desire is to hear when we get to the kingdom of heaven, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Okay, let's keep reading. And so he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will make you ruler. Say that with me. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter 
into the joy of the Lord. Now, what you've got to know about heaven is it is a citizenship. It is a citizenship. We are priests. We, we move into this, this place with God where we're actually going to be rulers in heaven. Do you know that the third judgment is that actually believers judge angels? That's the third judgment. There's three judgments. And the third one is believers judge angels. So, to, for eternal damnation. Believers do that. But the point I'm trying to make with this is that he's going to make you a ruler. And so you're not living here getting your ticket punched so that you can have beautiful women guys or gorgeous men girls with grapes peeling them over you, taking palm branches and waving them while you sit by the pool enjoying a nice cold beverage. <laughs> that is not heaven. Heaven is a citizenship where we minister and serve God, where He actually establishes everything back to His original intent, and we live and have dominion and rule and reign over the earth forever and ever and ever and ever. And when it starts is when you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, when you come alive to God and alive into his kingdom, you begin to take your place in the kingdom. And your future depends on how well you deal with what you've been given in the meantime between now and the day that Jesus comes back. And that is what the judgment on the church is. You don't hear that in church, do you? We don't hear that as, wow, man, that sounds tough. It's really not. It's really not. I'll tell you why in a minute. Let's keep reading, though. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And, and, and his Lord said to him, well done, good and Faithful servant, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He only had, he was only given two. It was half of what the other, but the same response to God based on what he was given. And then the third guy, and then he who received one talent came and said, Lord, I know you to be hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have it. There it is. What's yours? But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the man with how many talents? Not five. Ten. And then he said, for to everyone who has, more will begin to be given. Say this with me. Let's read this together loudly. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. 
but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. How did we start this passage of Scripture? The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like this. So here's the rules of the game. You've got to make a decision of whether Jesus is the Son of God, whether he took the form of a man and lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was raised again so sin and death would be defeated, and he ushered in the kingdom of heaven to the earth, and the church was baptized in the Holy Spirit, sealed to the day of redemption, to carry the kingdom of God forward as we go until Christ returns and reestablishes eternity on earth like it was intended in the beginning without sin. And you will be judged based on what you were given. And then you're going to be assigned your lot for eternity based on how you responded between the day you received Jesus and the day you meet him again. Do you think it might be important that you be about kingdom business? Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. John the Baptist, and I started this this way, John the Baptist said, I must decrease, you must increase. Because the old law was put aside because it could not be accomplished in the efforts of men. And what you'll find is that you will not be able to advance the kingdom of heaven in your own efforts. But what you will discover is that when you understand the love of Jesus for you, when you come to a realization of how much he loved you, and then receive that love, and then begin to love him back, as we read in John. That love is enough to make you successful. This is what I'm telling you. If the Spirit of God lives in you, He's going to reveal the truth about the nature and the character of God. He's going to reveal the truth about what Jesus said and about the, about the, 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 the plans that God has for you. He's going to reveal that truth to you. And because you love God so much, that love will make you successful because the Spirit of God lives in you. That's called grace. Listen, God says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's the Spirit of God living in you. Your love for God accomplishes the task. Not only that, <laughs> I had one more. Not only that, say it with me. <laughs> I'm sure it's there somewhere. It's just leaving me right this second. Give me a second. It's important.
Jesus says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the people labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds this house, unless the Lord builds this house, unless the Lord builds this house, unless the Lord builds my workhouse, unless the Lord builds the church house, the people labor in vain. Then he says this. If you want to accomplish the commandments, how are you going to do it? How do you know if you love God? How do you know if you're a son of God? If you, we started, if you keep his, how are you going to keep his commandments? What did Jesus say to the guy who said, who asked the question? You know, since I was a young man, I've kept the law. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And love people like yourself. All the commandments hinge on those two. The love of God and the love for God and the Spirit of God living in you will move you to a place where you cannot stop the kingdom of heaven from being advanced. Hell will not be able to stop the kingdom of God. It'll go forward. It'll go forward. It'll move. Amen? Amen. We're still with the Holy Spirit. We're about the Father's business, which is kingdom advancement. And we recognize that we're going to be judged based on what the Lord expects from us based on what he gave us. And the only way to succeed is to love God and love people. Amen? Amen. Good stuff? That's the rules of the game. That's it. That's how you win. <laughs> now guess what? We got to play the game. You got to go out and play the game and bring the kingdom. I stand for closing prayer. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.